710-993-WBT. WBT. Hour number two, Pete Callender here, and uh, the phone number is 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Uh, talk a little bit about crime. We were going over the Alex Murdoch uh, trial that's underway now uh, in South Carolina, but uh, some some larger crime-related issues. First off, in Georgia, um, did you check out what the... Uh, what the the revolutionaries were up to down there in Atlanta, the Antifa, the 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 just an idea, uh, mostly peaceful protesting and all. Interesting analysis on who has been arrested for these attacks over what do they call it, Cop City, right? Which is basically there's some land uh, that used to be I think it was like a prison work farm at some point. So there's all this land and. Uh, the city of Atlanta is going to build a training facility, you know, where they get you know, it, it, for the cops, but also for firefighters and stuff. So they can build some buildings and they can burn them down and do, you know, live fire training and hostage negotiation training and, you know, that sort of stuff. And of course, Antifa doesn't like this because all cops are fascists, obviously. And uh, I mean, I guess the firefighters are too, for some reason, but whatevs. Uh, but also they've, they've cloaked themselves in this greenery. Uh, literally and figuratively, uh, they have taken to living amongst the trees, and uh, they've in, uh, they've engaged in ecoterrorism. In their efforts to protect Gaia Earth's arm here, uh, aka trees, uh, they have set ablaze vehicles, which I guess doesn't have any kind of negative impact on Mother Earth or something. But it's interesting who these LARPers are. Chris Queen over at PJMedia.com says, We've already learned that the vast majority of the Antifa insurrectionists who terrorized Atlanta over the weekend and have occupied the future site of a public safety training facility for months hailed from nowhere near Atlanta. But the more we learn about the Antifa criminals who attacked cops and did damage all over downtown Atlanta, the more we realize that these people are not oppressed minorities rising up against the system. Turns out, They come from immense privilege. First up, Francis Carroll hails from Kennebunkport, Maine. He's son of a multi-million dollar family. He uh, most recently lived in his parents' mansion before going to Atlanta to try to destroy it. Serena Hertal, Idaho native, graduate of Pitzer College in Claremont, California, That carries a price tag of $82,000 tuition per year. Uh, Ivan James Ferguson, 23-year-old Nevada native. He's a clarinetist, which I didn't even know that's what they called them. Clarinetist? Did you know that? Yeah. Or, wait a minute, is it a different pronunciation? Like you don't call them flutists. You call them flautists, right? So maybe clarinetists? Anyway, he plays the clarinet. Oh, am I allowed to call him a clarinetist? Or do we have to say one who plays the clarinet? As we have to do with like all afflictions nowadays. It's like somebody is not a not an afflictionist. Like you can't say, I, like, I think one of them is uh, diabetes now. You can't say they're diabetic. You're, like that's, that's verboten. Mm-mm, that's offensive. That's exclusionary language. They have to say a person with diabetes. Or as Wilford Brimley would say, diabetes. All right, so uh, this clarinetist, or clarinetist, performed with orchestras up and down the West Coast. 
before throwing it all away to interfere with the safety of a city thousands of miles away. Ferguson, uh, Ivan Ferguson studied at the swanko, uh, swanky San Francisco Conservatory of Music, which should serve him pretty, wa- uh, pretty well in jail, I think, right? That should, that should go very well. He can play for the, for the crowds. Emily Catherine Murphy from Gross Isle, Michigan. Why do they have so many places named Gross in Michigan? Oh, wait, I just answered my own question. Sorry. That's not- anyway, uh, she grew up in a wealthy suburb of Portland, went to Oberlin College in Ohio, because of course she did, where she studied archaeological studies with a focus on decolonization, because of course she did, too. She is now a trans non-binary activist, because of course she is. Earlier arrests. These were just, those are just the ones from Atlanta over the weekend, right? Earlier arrests from people that were mixing it up with cops and torching uh, stuff uh, over this cop city thing in uh, Atlanta. You had Teresa Yue Shen, a Brooklyn woman arrested back in, uh, on January 18th, who graduated from Barnard College before working at Reuters and CNN. She's charged with domestic terrorism now. She's also the daughter of a Chinese publishing and pharmaceutical titan. She bills herself as a mental health consultant as well. She lived in a half-million-dollar Brooklyn apartment before devoting herself to a life of crime. Abigail Elizabeth Skapiak. She's out of Minneapolis. Skapiak is a former Justice Department intern who graduated from American University. Mariana Hoyt-Lang She plays the violin. She's a violinist, one who plays the violin. And she graduated from NYU before she decided to go attack the city of Atlanta. Madeline Matthias Gunther Kodet. I'm going to read that name again for you. Madeline Matthias Gunther Kodet. Out of Philadelphia is the daughter of of the former provost and dean of faculty at Lawrence University in Appleton. And I think I saw yesterday, that's not listed in this article, but there's a son or a daughter of of a state lawmaker that has now been charged in connection with this stuff. So what's going on with all these leftist privileged white people? Well, aside from Shen, I guess. Although, maybe I don't know, but she's the daughter of a Chinese publishing and pharmaceutical titan, so I don't know who that Chinese publishing and pharmaceutical titan married, so I'm not sure. But for, I don't know, I see a lot of times the Asian uh, demographics, they get now branded as white adjacent or not minority, right? Does she get that? Does she get that designation or not in these stories? I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't know what the standard is. Because it just keeps changing. So, all right. You guys got a bit of a problem over there, I think. Something's going on. You got a lot of privileged people, a lot of white privileged people that are uh, that are attacking black cities. What's up with that? What is up with that? Or as uh, Chris Queen wrote uh, at PJ Media, uh, what is it with Yankees burning Atlanta? That's I don't know. I don't get it. Um, speaking of crime. The Washington, D.C. Council, the city council, 
They passed their revised Criminal Code Act, a criminal reform bill that the mayor had vetoed. The Democrat mayor, Mayor Muriel Bowser, vetoed their crime bill, a crime reform bill. She vetoed it, and they overrode her veto. The bill softens penalties for several offenses, including violent crimes involving a gun. It passed in the D.C. Council 12 to 1. That reverses the mayor's decision to veto that, quote, reform. The council's decision comes as crime in D.C. has seen a 23% increase, according to data from the police. In 2023, Washington, D.C. has already seen a 100% increase in murders and a 200% increase in sex abuse, although violent crime is overall down by 9%. So give it up. The violent crime being down 9%. We had some some similar... uh, uh, yeah, we had some similar stats out of Charlotte the other night, too, right? Like, overall, violent crime, it's not, uh, it's down, and we're real proud of those numbers. But then you look at some of the individual crimes, like the most heinous ones, and they're up. But, I mean, overall, good. Good job at the overall decrease. I don't know why you would, I don't know why you would soften penalties for violent crimes involving a gun. Like, of all the penalties... Like, that one seems pretty important. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Washington Post editorial board goes full racist, by the way. The Washington Post editors, they are apparently racists, right-wingers, white supremacists. Because they wrote an editorial about this legislation, and they said that the crime bill is going to make the city more dangerous. (laughs) So, yeah. Who got to them? Washington could become a more dangerous city if the council approves this, which they did. They say it decreases punishments for violent crimes such as carjackings, home invasion burglaries, robberies, and even homicides. The far-reaching rewrite of the criminal code will further tie the hands of police and prosecutors while overwhelming the courts. By the way, Police Chief Johnny Jennings here in Charlotte, uh, he's been arguing about getting some of uh, you know, getting uh, the 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 bond set by changing this process legislature i think the legislature should probably take a look at doing this reworking this system because uh, the people go in front of magistrates and the magistrates they're only uh not only focused but their focus is to make sure they set a bond that ensures the person shows up for court that's it. That's their job. So, and then when they show up for court for first appearance, then the judge can take the bond or take their bail away, take their bond away, and that's why people get turned loose so soon. So maybe there needs to be a different system here. You know, maybe there needs to be a different approach. Um. Oh, also the D.C. crime bill, the reform bill, it eliminates life sentences. <laughs> it gets rid of mandatory minimums for every crime except first degree murder. Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Washington, D.C.'s city council overrode their mayor's veto. And uh, this is all Democrat on Democrat action here. So um, there really isn't any kind of partisan uh, uh, debate going on here. It's just it was a 12 to 1 vote. And so the mayor said this is the wrong approach. 
eliminating life sentences. It gets rid of mandatory minimums for every crime except first-degree murder. It scales back penalties for convicted felons that are illegally carrying firearms, um, as well as scaled back penalties if you use a firearm as a convicted felon when committing another crime. Um, It decreases punishments for violent crimes like carjackings, home invasion, burglaries, robberies, homicides. So be aware when you go to Washington, D.C., there's there's not a lot of punishment out there for, for getting, you know, carjacked. If you find yourself, or maybe if you want to go on vacation and do some carjackings, this might be, maybe I've been reading, the, maybe I've been reading the wrong message out of the uh, the Antifa revolutionaries going to Atlanta, uh, the white privileged people, uh, you know, burning down uh, black cities. So maybe, um, maybe I've been reading it all wrong. They're on vacation. That's what's been going on. They, they got word that they could just go and, 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 Engage in this kind of LARPish behavior, and that's live-action role-playing, by the way. Uh, They can engage in this behavior and suffer no consequences. They just dress in black block, wear some masks over their face, you know, for COVID and all. And, um, I mean, that would be the only reason. They they care about people's safety. And so then they just go and they smash stuff up, and then they, they walk away. Maybe they thought it was a vacation. Hmm. But if you're looking to do some violent crime, I guess D.C. is the place to go do it. What else does it do? The maximum penalty for somebody convicted of a violent felony while using a gun to commit more violence, that that was 15 years. They would, they would go after you for a 15-year sentence. If you are a convicted violent felon who uses a gun to do more violent acts, 15 years. Now, four. Right, so they've made it cheaper. They've made it cheaper to do worse things. This is not an evidence-based approach, by the way, to public safety. This is according to the right-wing, white supremacist, fully-on racist Washington Post editorial board. This is not an evidence-based approach to public safety. The data is clear that firearms offenders recidivate at higher rates and more quickly than those who commit crimes without guns. What does that mean, recidivate? They commit more crimes, they keep getting arrested. They have a high recidivism rate, right? Firearms offenders recidivate at higher rates and more quickly. These are the bad apples. These are the these this is the 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 small group, the percentage, the small percentage doing the most amount of the worst crimes, right? This is this is the problem. These are the ones you actually want to get off the streets because they jeopardize the balance of society. Maximum sentences are seldom pursued under the status quo, however. Oh, well, that's good. So you get the 15-year maximum sentence, but nobody ever goes for it. So why even bother having it? Limiting them to four years will deprive prosecutors of needed discretion. U.S. Attorney for D.C., Matthew M. Graves, has warned... Really? That's his name? Graves? The U.S. Attorney is named Graves. Anyway, he has warned that language in the 450-page omnibus... Of course, it's an omnibus bill. It's going to make it harder to charge repeat offenders 
for unlawful gun possession. They just need a 70th chance here, people. Come on. Proponents of the bill say African-Americans are disproportionately convicted of violent crimes and couch their arguments in terms of equity. African-Americans, though, are also disproportionately victims of these same crimes. Yes, they are. Who are you? Who are you helping? What does it all say? It also leaves dangerous people on the streets as they await trial. And the law is not going to take effect until October of 2025. Oh, OK. So, all right. So if you want to go visit D.C. without getting carjacked or, or murdered, uh, maybe make a trip before October 2025. And uh, the proponents of the law say that three years is plenty of time to prepare for all of the influx of new cases. <laughs> this is so this is what they're expecting. This is a feature of their bill. They were look, we've. We understand your concerns that by lowering the penalties for committing these violent acts, um, we're going to have more people committing more violent acts. Okay, this is an interesting argument. So in order to address these concerns about overloading the court system, because you're going to have way more people committing more violence, um, we'll, we'll, we'll roll it out in another two years or so. So this way, we'll have plenty of time to hire enough lawyers and judges and and I guess that's it. To, to process all the cases and administrative clerks and stuff, right, to process all of the cases. Not, hey, you've raised some valid concerns. Maybe we shouldn't do this thing that's going to lead to way more victims because that's the other. See, they're, they're looking at this on one side of the equation, but there is another, there's another side of the balance sheet, right? There's, the other side is the victims. That for everybody who you're in for every case, every increase in the number of cases that you are expecting to come through because of these quote reforms. That means there's another victim and it's not just that one victim. It's everyone that that victim knows, especially if it's your know, murder, sexual assault, home invasion, burglary, you're just leading to more victims. That's the other side of that equation. You can't just look at it from, Oh my gosh, this poor person uh, you know, uh, they turned to a life of crime because we failed them somehow, right? The society failed them. It's our fault, so we shouldn't punish them. Instead, let's punish the person that got raped. Instead, let's punish the person uh, who got burglarized or or was uh, kidnapped or uh, was assaulted or was murdered. The Washington Post editorial board, I can't believe I agree with them, but there it is. The blind acorn finding the squ- uh, the blind acorn the blind squirrel finding the acorn. Who is this? Hello, Bill. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, I'm all right. What's up? All right, I want to talk about Mr. Murdoch, man. I think I think what's happened to him. He got on drugs real bad, man. He was on drugs real bad. Absolutely. Yeah, he got he got on drugs like really really bad, man. I think that's how he got into the tornado he's in now, man. You think that he? Do you think he murdered his wife and son? I mean, he was on those drugs really bad, man. Who knows? And he's going broke. So, hey, who's to say? But well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, he could be the the guy that is in front of the the jury right now that they're looking at is not the same guy that was at that uh, at that property that the, the night of the murders, right? Because he was so whacked out on drugs that yeah, I it's mean, a, I only knew him for maybe four years. But hey, when I met him, man, he was barreling down, slowly, slowly, and slowly. Man. 
Wait, so you're saying you met this guy? Yeah, I, I, yeah, he's an associate of mine, man. Alex Murdoch is an associate of yours. Yeah. What does that mean? He used to. I used. I used to. I used to see him on drugs a lot. You know? Were you his supplier, or yeah. Are, yeah? Okay, so you were you were dealing it to him. Yeah. And uh, how much were you dealing to him? Uh, he was getting a lot, man. Like what's that? A lot. I mean, I can't be talk like that in phone, but he was getting a lot. You can't. T- you can't tell me how much is a lot. No, I can't. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, but I think that's what happened to him, though. Well, may, is it possible that uh, somebody murdered his family because he owed them a lot of money for drugs? No, I don't think. So. You don't think that would be a possible theory? I don't think that would. He ran a monopoly scheme. He ran. He was. He was a crooked guy, man. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 but he was also doing all the, he was doing all the stealing to support his drugs, uh, his drug habit. Yeah. So what if he got behind in the payments and and someone came and uh, and and whacked uh, his family trying to whack him? No, I don't think. That you don't happens. think that would be the case? No, drug dealers would never do that. Yeah, they'll do it. Oh, but he, he always paid his debt. Oh, I got gotcha. you. I don't think that was it. Well, Bill, I don't know if you're telling me the truth or not, but I do appreciate the call. All right, I don't. I'm not really sure. Hey, it's possible. It's possible. But it, Bill called in. He said it's, uh, that was his. I'm. I'm assuming it's his supplier. Whatever. Um, but he can't tell me how much. I got questions. Talk 1110-993-WBT. Washington Examiner had an editorial about the uh, the crime problem in Washington, D.C. that is totally going to get better after they uh, overrode the mayor's veto there and uh, instituted a whole bunch of, quote, reforms, which just means uh, lowering the penalties for all sorts of violent crimes, particularly among convicted felons using firearms to commit more violent crimes. Um, Last year, D.C. finished with more than 200 homicides for the second year in a row. And the mayor came out and said, we need to increase police funding. We need to hire new officers, like 500 of them. But unless she starts holding criminals accountable for their crimes, living in the nation's capital will not improve, they say. Again, this is the editorial board at the Washington Examiner. Sounding a lot like those right-wing racists at the Washington Post editorial board. Crime overall dipped by 7% in the district last year. But that included a 36% rise in carjackings and juvenile homicides. That went up 50%. By the way, the kids know. The kids know that they get softer penalties. People think, you know, oh, stupid criminals. People are smart. They act rationally. Once you've decided this is your career path, for whatever reason, um, you learn, whether it's on the street or through many, you know, uh, pass-throughs through the system, you know what the rules are. You know how you get treated. You know what you can get away with, what you can't. But remember, remember during the height of the crack uh, epidemic when... 
they were using kids as the lookouts, and the kids would act as the mules. The kids would hold all of the drugs. So this way, the the person you know of majority age would never go away because they, they didn't have the drugs on them. The kid did. And they'd have like these nine, 10-year-old kids, and they would hold all the drugs because they couldn't be prosecuted as adults, right? They know this stuff. As recently as 2012, only half as many people were murdered in Washington, down from almost 500 in 1991. Another key piece of information, always want to point out whenever we talk about crime, that crime in the 90s was way worse. 80s and 90s, way worse. And back in the 70s, there was like a serial killer on every block. I don't understand what, what was going on back then. It was, a little, it was before my time. But I'm just like... I, I see the the news stories and the documentaries. Apparently, serial killers were everywhere. Um, But in the 90s, the murder rates were way higher in America. They've come down. Now, the concern is that we are repeating the mistakes that led to those high crime rates and that if we keep going down this path and lessening penalties, that this is going to lead us right back into the murder rates and the violent crime rates that we had back in the 90s. So what we have seen, though, is that since that high in 1991 of 500, the murder rate went down. It's now less than half of that. However, that is still now back up. It went up 50% or, or sorry, 100%. It doubled in the last decade. So if you go back 10 years, it's, we're, we're twice as high. Well, D.C. is. So Mayor Bowser resisted the council. Um, that cut millions of dollars from the police budget after the killing of St. George Floyd in Minneapolis in 2020. You know there are statues to him? That's kind of amazing. Bowser has tried to reverse those cuts, promising to raise the number of police officers from 3,500 to 4,000. By the way, this is a problem all over the place. Charlotte Mecklenburg Police told the city council on Monday, uh, yeah, we, uh, we we really need to do better about recruiting and retaining um, officers because we it, it's people don't want to be cops, which I wonder why. Think about it. Why why would why would you want to be a cop in today's society? The is the juice worth a squeeze on that? In the district, weak policies that fail to deter crime negate and waste the money spent on law enforcement. This is the key. You're going to throw a whole bunch of money to recruit more police officers. Uh, to pay them more money, keep them around, right? You're going to do all of that? Nobody wants to work a job where they believe that what they do doesn't make a difference, particularly people who feel called to do the kind of work like policing and teaching, by the way. Teachers, too. You know, teachers who show up in classrooms and out of a class of 25, 30 kids they're lucky if they find one that actually wants to learn. That does more to crush a teacher's will to stay in the profession and their their passion for the job, right? You're trying to just get one. And after you do that year after year after year after year, and you realize now I'm not even I'm not even getting one kid in my class that wants to learn. Well, what am I doing this for? Who wants to keep going to work? in a career where you believe what you do doesn't matter. Maybe there are people that are that are totally fine with that. I don't think you want them in policing, and I don't think you want them in teaching. 
National homicide numbers spiked in 2020, but the murder boom in uh, Washington, D.C., it actually started before the defund the police movement. This is kind of interesting. Murders went up 38% in 2018. And then it went up another 19% in 2020. So what happened? District officials voted to lessen punishments for felons convicted of illegally possessing a gun. That's they are they did this. This is what the, so you you lessen the penalties, you could fund all of the new police officers you want, you can give them all big fat raises and they can keep arresting and arresting and arresting and arresting. But if you keep letting the people back out, what's the point of that? Why do, why even bother with spending the money to arrest them in the first place? Seriously. Like that is a serious question. And I'm not like banging the drum here for, you know, uh, more cops. We love cops. Cops can do no wrong. I'm I'm not that guy. Well, I I mean I I do respect law enforcement. <laughs> I do. I I can't I cannot deny that. I respect them. I try to give them the benefit of the doubt. I know it's a job that nobody uh or that everybody isn't cut out to do. I know I'm not cut out to do it. Uh, it takes a special person to do it. I I realize that everybody that police officers run into, they're usually lying to the cops. So I try to never lie to the cops. I mean, aside from giving them a false name. Uh, that's that's just the only one. It's the only thing I do. It's the only lie I tell. And yes, I say I do know how fast I was driving. Um, But I, I, I don't understand if you're looking at it from a public policy standpoint, why would you spend more money to have more cops if the people who are getting arrested don't have any punishments. What's the point of devoting the resources to making the arrests in the first place? Right? Why, why even spend the money? By the way, this is also why Joe Biden's call for more stringent background checks is useless because if the jurisdictions don't punish people like convicted felons who then get a gun illegally, right? If you're not going to punish them for the possession of that gun, why do you want to increase background checks? There's no point on that, right? What good do more checks do when they get the guns anyway? A 2022 study of Washington homicides found virtually all of them were committed by a small number of people. In murders committed in 2019 and 2020, more than 90% of the victims and suspects were male, 96 were black, 86% were known to the criminal justice system, and nearly half had already served jail time. The uh, Washington Examiner says we have editorialized before on how the district's decision not to punish Metro fare jumpers led to a rise in fare jumping. You know, getting on the train stuff without paying. Biden's decision not to punish illegal border crossings has also led to a rise in illegal border crossings. And if the D.C. Council really wants to lower gun deaths, it should increase punishments for people who use illegal guns. But they won't do it. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The phone number is 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And the email is Pete at thepetecallanershow.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Pete Callaner. And, uh, uh, oh, and uh, get the app, WBT. Get the WBT app and uh, get the podcast. It's right there. Uh, or WBT.com, your favorite podcasting platform, PeteCallanershow.com, wherever. Get the podcast. 
It's free. It comes right to your smartphone or tablet. Hello, Jack. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Pete, buddy. How you doing? Man? Good, good. What's up? Hey, I just want to make a comment, man. We have got to stop stop expecting police to uh, to, to to curb this murder rate. It's not their fault. Mm-hmm. You know what it is? It's, it's man's inhumanity to man, and that's that's the number one factor that we're we're dealing with, and that's why the murder rate spikes up and down. It has nothing to do with policing, man, because there's there's no answers to this where the police can commit murders. You look at the murder you were talking about earlier today, where the gentleman killed his uh, wife and his son. I mean, that murder goes into statistics just like any other murder, and there's mm-hmm. nothing the police could have done about that. Right. So so the problem is it, it, it's, it's a societal problem, and it's a judicial problem uh, for the uh, justice uh, systems not uh, keeping these repeat offenders in jail, and we're not actively imposing the death penalty when it, uh, when it, when, when it, when it should be imposed. So we've got to stop blaming the police. Right. No, uh, yeah, the pol- hiring more officers, and that's what the Washington Examiner uh, uh, editorial board was uh, pointing out as well, hiring more cops is completely irrelevant if you soften all of the penalties for violent crime. There's no point. Absolutely. Why Why bother going out and picking them up in the first place if they're not going to face any kind of penalties for the crimes that you can get them convicted for? Absolutely. And a few weeks ago, you know, the Charlotte police, when they had the at the news conference and the press conference, you know, I kind of felt for the, the chief and the police officers standing there trying to explain why the murder rate spiked because mm-hmm. they don't they don't really know they don't know what's driving this it's it's not them it's our society man we 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 don't value life anymore mm-hmm. everybody has a gun and we settle all our disputes it doesn't matter whether it's a, it's a, it's a traffic incident or an argument at a convenience store or anything everybody the first thing we do is we grab our gun and we shoot each other I, that's not everybody well you not everybody no not everybody i was going to say I, I don't know if you're a firearm owner but i am and i I have never settled a, an argument with a firearm, so and I haven't either. I haven't either. Yeah. I, I take no, there, yeah, right. So right. And, right. So this is part of the, so when you're looking at specifically homicides, right? Because sure. if you're talking about gun violence in general, there are three main categories of gun violence, and and uh, it's gun deaths. I should say uh, number one is suicides, and that's usually men in their you know 30s, 40s killing themselves and uh, with a firearm. That's that, that's most gun deaths. The se- the second then is your street crime. And that is being fueled by young urban men, right? And then the third category is domestic violence, and that's men killing their women partners, generally speaking. That so those are the three big categories. They require different approaches to try to solve. But that the 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 street crime one, that's the thing. Like that's that's the main driver. And now you're getting younger and younger people committing the violence. And I would submit it's because there are no repercussions. There haven't been repercussions for them in any aspect of their life before. And sure. nobody has expressed any any caring for them as human beings to say, no, you are better than this. You can be someone special. Uh, you, you know, do not despair. Because I, I, honestly, I think people turn to crime when they have no other uh, no other avenue to pursue. It's the only way out, right? It's the only way for them to get anything or to get, whether it's respect or money or out of the neighborhood or whatever. This is all they know. And but, that but, is a, that's a desperate spot to be in. But I was going to say these, these random acts of violence, too, are driving the murder rate up, too. Just look over the course of the last week, less than a week, we've had 20 people killed in, the, in, the, in, the, in what we call these mass shootings. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, 20 people mm-hmm. in the last, that's less than, what, three or four days here. Well, yeah, but you're taking a three- or four-day window. You can't extrapolate that out to every single day because mass shootings only account for a I mean, mass shootings only account for a very tiny fraction of all gun deaths. But 20 people dead, man? Can you imagine how many people that affects when you, sure. when you throw in relatives and family? That's, that's my argument. people got killed. Yeah, I know. I, I, I said that very thing earlier. But you're, you're, it sounds like you're trying, to, you're trying to draw some sort of larger point. Again... If you want to focus on mass shootings, then focus on mass shootings. But you initially were talking about the people murdering each other, and oh, mass yeah. shootings but is that, a different that's category. The, the, that's part of this, uh, you know, inhumanity against man. Sure. And, and my point I was trying to make is we've got to stop blaming the police, and it's a societal problem, and we've got to try to fix our society if we're going to ever lower the murder rate. That's that's what I was trying yeah, to say. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. It, it This is something that you, you, you can't teach people, basically— uh, from a government perspective, right? No, this is this not. cannot come from government. It's got to come from families. It's got to come from churches. It's got to come from the home. Like there's, there's nothing that the police are going to be able to do to make sure that you value life in your home. Yeah, and we've got to demand that our judicial system, our elected officials who are involved in the process, do their job when it comes to uh, adjudicating these these people and keeping them in jail. Yeah, right. That's the other side of it is that they they have to be removed from society because they are a threat to that society. Jack, I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you, man. All right, man. Take it easy. Uh, no, I, I appreciate the discussion. Like, this is my only point on the different kinds of murders and the different stats is that um, trying to stop mass shootings is a that requires a different approach than trying to stop suicides, than trying to stop domestic violence murders, and trying to stop uh, the street crime murders. Right? They're They require different responses, but I think Jack's point is correct. The core is it's a problem with humans.